Nerd School is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improve. Hey, fellows. It's the first night of another season. Nerd Lord, have Hey. I am a super nerd. Oh, my glasses are broken. I am a super nerd. <laughs> I am a super nerd. Excelsior. Excelsior. Nerd. The Nerd School Podcast. Starring Andy. My name is Andy, and I am a super, super nerd. I'm a former um, entertainment journalist. TBJ. Hi. This is Tiffany. You may hear me be referred to as TBJ. TBJ, y'all. I am what I like to call a surprise nerd. Art Star. My name is Art Star. AKA Art Star. He's the nerd Gotham City deserves. And uh, yours truly, <laughs> call me Joe. Okay, back to Iron Man. We left off with Whiplash escaping prison with the help of some shady guards. Do you remember that? Did we talk about that part yet, or we're about to? Uh, I think we're about no, to. we didn't get to the guards yet. He escapes prison uh, with those, you know, the mashed potatoes yep. thing and the clay bomb or whatever, and they yeah. take him to Justin Hammer. Yeah. And Whiplash has a man bun and he wants his bird. Is what I wrote. <laughs> my, my bird. Give me my bird. My, my bird. My bird. My bird. Uh, and then so, and we talk about that. The bird is whole. His whole creation and the the man bun. I think is just the. I guess I get, I'm okay with a man bun because people have to put their hair up somewhere. But I think <laughs> I think my issue more is the highlights are too like it doesn't look like just a guy who's going gray. It looks like perfectly timed streaks. You know, like it looks like a fashion. You know, maybe it is. He's got all those tattoos. So you're yeah. saying he doesn't look like he was he was slumming it. Uh, before he came to America with his fresh, he was trying to look pretty or something like too stylized. Yeah, something I don't know. Like, like he, like he looked like a movie star. Like it's like that's, but he also looked like Mickey Rourke, who just looks looks like eight hundred miles of bad road. So he can do yeah. whatever he wants with his hair. He still looks like Mickey Rourke, and he looks like he's just got out of prison. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> you know, he does. Yeah. No, so anyway, well, and, he, and he does here. And so, okay. And then Pepper and the girl from Ghost World are frantically answering calls about what happened to Tony. <laughs> the girl from Ghost World, also a comic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, now I don't know. I didn't know that. Like, I just, that's the first time I remember seeing her. Yeah. Uh, and she, I remember the whole thing we thought was she looks exactly like a friend of ours that. Andy and I went to high school and college with my friend Muppet. <laughs> she looked like Muppet. I thought she looked like Muppet, and then I now I'm realizing, boy, I'm really sexually attracted to our friend Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the girl from Ghost World, they're and they're Pepper, and they're friendly answering calls about what happened to Tony. Don Cheadle shows up. Yo. By the way, Don Cheadle on IMDb is known for Crash, The Guard, Hotel Rwanda, and Trader. Yep. Would that sound right to you guys? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I barely remember the traitors, I think. I prefer to think of him as the guy that worked uh, for the Golden Girls on Golden Palace. And then T- Tony's doing research on Vanko. And we find out his dad was in the U.S. in the 60s and was convicted of espionage. We can only assume he had something to do with Howard Stark at this point. 
little known fact, uh, the shot of uh, 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 Don, uh, Whiplash being arrested was an actual shot of Mickey Rourke being arrested in real life. I probably made I say that already. No. Uh, but yeah, I found that on IMDb. So did Tony's his shot when he was younger was a like, uh, um, not a mug shot, but like an image of him getting being arrested as well. As well. Yeah, they said that too. Yeah, I think both of them are. Yeah, yeah. So that's because yeah. because they've had like Robert Downey Jr. was into all kind of everything. Yes. Yeah. So um, Rhodey then sees Tony struggle and burn out another heart light. Neil Diamond. Burn out your heart <laughs> lights. Cut to Hammer showing Vanko the knockoff Iron Man suits. Vanko puts on a pair of old woman's glasses and works on the computer. IMDb says that Rourke. Uh, said the biggest struggle he had in his role uh, is to pretend he knew how computers work because he doesn't know anything about computers. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing about Mickey Rourke that screams high tech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know if it was because I had already read that when I was watching it, but I felt like he looked like my dad when he used to be a, get on CompuServe. Uh, <laughs> wow, CompuServe. My dad, would, I remember he would like barely click on like, what do I click on? How do I click? Is this how I click? Is this clicking? <laughs> uh, and then all he would do email for is like send he would like forward you those chain emails that used to come. Uh, send this to 20 people or you'll have bad yeah. luck or they'd be like horrible jokes like horrible dick jokes and stuff like that. <laughs> Lord. Uh, yeah so uh, yeah he just looked like an, an old man that Get it. Um, so Tony has a brief flirty scene with Scarlett Johansson, who is known for her Lost in Translation, Avengers, and Under the Skin. Yeah. And then we get to Tony's party. Drunk girl. This is my. I, this is the the thing I remember Iron Man two the most about. I think is this whole party. Or this is what I would be doing if I was Iron Man. Like drunk girls throwing bottles and watermelon for him to shoot. Uh, Side note, do you think the casting call for this was drunk party girls who like seeing things smashed? It was probably just drunk party girls. Just drunk yeah. party girls. Like they're just woo throwing things in the air. And they're just they love every time he blows something up, they love it. I'm I sure mean, they're in a the mansion direction. with a rich man being destructive. That was the direction. It's like, all right, anything he does, you love it. Yell about it. Yeah. And he's so drunk and he's partying or whatever. And then and then Don Cheadle says, get out. And that was a cool, badass Don Cheadle moment again. Yeah. This, this whole sequence uh, when he's just hammered is basically as close as they're going to get to dealing with Tony Stark as an alcoholic. Yeah, pretty which much. Which was basically his major calling card, his major trait before these movies started that sort of uh, kind of recast him as this eccentric weirdo who's a super genius, hilarious dude. Before that, the the main thing... Oh, Iron Man. Yeah, he's drunk. He's, he's a drunk guy. I mean, not that he... like It was like one storyline, but it was a big deal that they dealt with alcoholism at all. And uh, so... In the 60s? Like back in the 60s? They no, did this that? was... I think this was in the 80s they did yeah, it. Yeah, the 80s. And uh, so that kind of became the staple uh, joke if, about Iron Man is, oh, he's an alcoholic. Because it was kind of one of the only noticeable character traits the character really had before Robert Downey Jr. just said, all right, I, basically he's going to be me except 
super rich and super genius. And that kind right. of is what Iron Man needed to catch on was that. Because mm-hmm. before that, he was kind of, he was, he was more like Howard Stark than uh, what Robert Downey Jr. made him. As far as I know. And uh, like the, the civil, well, we'll talk about civil war later. But, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I should have known it was eighties because in the sixties, we didn't talk about alcoholism. Everyone was just an alcoholic. It seems like. We were out here free loving, drugging, drinking. Yeah. 60s. Yeah, By like we, I, not me. I wasn't alive yet, but you know, collective. I think it was kind of like a way to sort of like he was kind of like this captain of industry, sort of James Bondish kind of uh, suave ladies man hero dude. So I think they said, all right, what like what if he takes this part of it too far? Uh, like what if James mm-hmm. Bond was? Yeah, and it makes it more real, you know. Like you, you, you relate to him more. He's got a flaw. He's got a thing, and everybody knows somebody right. who's an alcoholic or has. It's a serious issue that everyday people deal with. And I think it's great in this storyline because it's also at the point where we know he is self-destructing, right? So we yeah. know he knows he doesn't necessarily have much time. So what would a rich jerky dude do with all this money if he was on the decline? Listen, I'd party it up and, and drink. Yeah, I'd drink constantly. I would not, you know. So I think it ties in, one, yes, this alludes to his alcoholism. But two, it really is a peek into, like, and nobody around him. Like, no one close to him knows he's self-destructing. Well, Brody knows, but not why. Um, but they know, like, something's up. But he knows and we know. It's because, as Joe would say, his heart thingy yeah, his is, heart. <laughs> is no, not, his well. arc light. Arc light, right? And then what you call it, arc light? Yeah, it is. I was just making fun of Joe because he always calls it something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Don Cheadle knows, and he's got to kick his buddy's ass. Yeah, back to Earth, and and so he really cares about him, and that's the cool. That's a cool thing about it. And then the, yeah. this, and then plus we get a cool Iron Man versus Iron Man battle. So. Yes. It's Iron Man versus Iron Man, Iron Man battle to Queen, Rob Bass, and kick ass <laughs> DJ music to kick my buddy's yeah. ass too, is what he says. Uh, could you play some DJ, kick ass DJ music to kick my buddy's ass too, like that? And, can't, <laughs> and the guy starts mixing it. And it's like, and then we get the War Machine reference. He says, You want to be the War Machine? Yeah, that yeah. gives him his name. And say, yeah. That was my question. Do they ever call him War Machine? Uh, yeah, later. Uh, and yeah, l- later at one point, I think it's during um, uh, uh, Civil War, something like that. I believe it's Civil War. Or, uh, when he oh, comes he flying out and goes, all right, War Machine. And then uh, uh, he gets in a fight. Or is it, Ult- it might be Ultron, Age of Ultron, I think, when uh, he calls himself War yeah. Machine. Right. There's not a moment where he's just walking around and everyone's acknowledged. And I think that's something we saw in more than one of uh, MCU, right? They don't always call them who, like, we keep saying Whiplash, but there's no point in the movie where he, we know it is because of comics, but there's no point in the movie that he's referred to as Whiplash. Yeah, they try to work the code names into the dialogue. Like, Iron Man 1, Jeff Bridges was talking about, we're Ironmongers, Tony. And that's his supervillain name is Ironmonger, the character he's playing. Mm-hmm. And it's all of them slowly feeding the nerds, you know, just like giving the nerds, you know, breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs, the tra- you know, like, 
It's like the episode of Family Guy with James Wood. Like, ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. So, like, you know, like, it's slowly but surely giving a breakdown. Yeah, like, I, I think, uh, <clears throat> like, at one point in the Hulk, uh, the Sam Stearns dude says, was talking to Tim Roth going, I can help you do this, but it might turn you into some kind of abomination. Which is, yep. yeah. So exactly. They, that's, that's the head fake they do uh, without having to actually uh, say, oh, my code name is this. Yeah. Which I think makes it more real because, like, that's in real life, that's what they would do. Like, they wouldn't just name something Aquaman and Superman or whatever. Like, it would be this guy, this hero would be known as the whatever. Well, right. It's a, it's you don't like, name yourself a nickname. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, you it's, call yourself that, but that's what people refer to him to. Right. Uh, like in the first, the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies, J. Jonah Jameson is the guy making up all the nicknames for these people because it sells papers. And he's the paper right. guy. Yeah, he's the journalist guy. Uh, okay, so we left off with the so this, War Machine. Yeah, War this machine. is the first. This is uh, the first time he gets into the armor. So this is yep. following up on uh, Terrence Howard's next time, baby. Next time, it's like, except it's not you. But this is the time. This is the time. And then, uh, and then, so Rhodey flies away, and then I have- hold on, hold on, now hold on. See now, this is this is where my issue came up with Don Cheadle. So like, me just watching this over and over and over and over again, I never noticed this. Now I, I can see him going down, getting a suit. You know when they was fighting, when he first started fighting, the fighting was kind of awkward. But you know he's a pilot, so he gets used to the suit. So he's like, you know, okay, he comes back, boom, boom. Also, Tony's drunk. He's not at his best. What got me as a nerd. As a, as a nerd who was sitting there scrutinizing this thing is when after the fact, he flew off. And in the way he flew was like he had flown this piece of metal before. And I'm like, wait, this is his, his first what? time in the suit. Yeah. It seems like I Gary think... knows how to use this suit. Is this not his first time? That was my question to you guys. I was what? I'm like I said, I, I can, I can, I can, I can see, like I said, I can see the fight part because it's like, it's, it's like, you know, the Tin Man, you know, after being oiled for so long, he got to get his burns. But the fact that the way he flew off, sure, he's a pilot, but this is not an aircraft. This is a, this but is a, also, hold mm-hmm. on. Go for it. Go for it. This is good. This is going to be good. But, it's, it's, One, but then mm-hmm. you, you're totally missing out on the fact that the, the technology in the suit, right? When he's in the suit, when either one of them is in the suit, the suit is a mm-hmm. smart suit. But how did this? True, but the but the suit knew to take him back to the base, the base that it never came from. (laughs) We don't know the inner dialogue he had inside the helmet when he had the suit on before he left. It's called movie magic. Certain things I can give them, but it's what that's one of those things where it's like you know, even the way he was, the way he landed, he landed awkward. It was like the greatest American hero. You know what I'm saying? Greatest American hero. It was like that kind of scene. But it's like here he was, the way he flew off was like he was a pro. It was like he's done this many a times in this suit. Again, I'll give it to him because he's a pilot. But in that that, you that don't one think he's moment, watched Tony also take off again, a million times. In I had, this I, suit. Right, right. But in that moment, it just seemed like let's say if I was nerd illiterate. If I'm sitting in a movie theater and I'm supposed to be critiquing this movie, I'm saying to myself, hey, how did he know 
to fly like that. And how did he, you know, he, the way he flew was just like, wow, this guy's done this before. But he has Listen, I think we it can agree well, what, that you all? were looking for a point to nitpick Don Cheeto. Not one. necessarily. I think Not we necessarily. can agree. Like in this moment, in the moment as I was just nitpicking it, I, I'm, I'm okay with playing devil's advocate. On the flip side, it could also be a way of saying that they, I'm doing, I'm doing air quotes. They superhumanized him by saying, like, okay, he's a, he's a, a fighter pilot. Of course he could fly this like it's, like it's a piece of butter being melted by a hot knife. Cause he's a fighter pilot. It's like a superhero problem. <laughs> I'll give him that. All right. All right. But, uh, that, but just uh, watch it. Like, hey. metaphor aside, <laughs> fly it like a, hey. like butter. <laughs> like butter. <laughs> being melted. Piece of toast. I was watching something stupid the other day, and a dude was using really stupid. It might have been Teen Titans Go. They were doing something with iron, and it was totally crazy. But anyway, so, my, crazy. My, so I agree with you, Arthur, because I said the same thing. I was like, and I was going to actually ask you guys: Does this mean he's flown it before because he had no issues? Uh, but on the but on Tiffany's side, I don't think that's Don Cheadle's fault. It was just the way he right. did it. And I'd here, imagine here. my guess would be that they probably had a little bit more extra footage there mm-hmm. of him like trying to figure mm-hmm. out or stumbling and maybe they cut it right. all right here's because here, yeah that could be one thing because iron man 2 is probably a bit longer than it needs to be or they probably had to cut it down but uh here's the thing uh, a little bit of comic lore that we could exercise here uh marvel marvel used to do a thing way back in the day uh called the no prize where uh if like if because fans would write in and say and ask questions like thinking, uh, oh, uh, artists or writers made a mistake here because you said he did this. And then uh, but in this other issue, he did the opposite. Mm-hmm, or something right. like that. And it became a game where they would challenge the readers to say, if you make a mis- if you notice a mistake, instead of writing in to tell us you- we made a mistake, in the write in to tell us yeah. why it was not a mistake. Make up, make up an explanation as to why this wasn't really a mistake. Come up with reasons why it's not a mistake. So, or, or and they'll send you, uh, and you'll win a prize if you do that. You'll win a no prize, which is basically no prize, but you would get like a postcard saying you've won a no prize. And the, the joke was that you're not actually getting a prize, but it was, it was a thing that fans really loved and really loved to do, because especially that's a great way to turn a nerd, nerd criticism on itself to spin it in a positive way because nerds like pointing out things that are inconsistencies or whatever. Yeah, Art. <laughs> that was hey, genius. Like, this I'm a nerd is... and I don't care who knows. <laughs> I don't know if this was I don't know if this was a Stanley invention or something, but it's, it's been back in the day it was a great a way to sort of spin it positive and make the nerds do their own work. That genius. I've never heard of that or ever yeah, known yeah. But yeah, so like, I'm going to take home the no prize for just saying Number one, he's watched Tony Stark's, and number two, he the suit is uh, intelligent. Let to be clear, yeah. a he's I watched Tony Stark. B, he's probably had conversations with Tony Stark all the time. Like, if you mm-hmm. find out your friend has flying armor and you're a pilot, what's the first thing you're asking about? How the fuck How? is that thing flying? Mm-hmm. How yep. does that How? work? And I like with going with Tiffany's thing is since uh, you know Tony has made more suits and he's improved them each time. Maybe he put in a mechanism that. Hey, when I'm first doing this and I'm messed up, uh, he knows he's dying. Maybe he's trying to prepare a a thing for Rhodey to take over eventually. Maybe yeah, he's like, that's... "Hey, come up with guidance 
Like when I say land, you land. When I say go to this base, you take over from here and there. You know, maybe, maybe he he already installed all. That. <laughs> yeah, like there's just kind of an implication at the end when he loses that fight and he's sort of watching him fly off that he kind of expected something like that to happen. And also- especially since I think Rhodey's been bugging him to do that to to work with the government. He's like, you know what? I expected this, and if I'm dying, I trust him with it. But he's also talking, yeah. so you know, he also has. Of the plans, i.e., what he had, what he did, and uh, what's it, Homecoming, Spider Man Homecoming, where Spider Man thought he had came to see him, but it was just a drone, not even, not even, even just Iron suit. Man 3. Yeah. Iron Man 3, he had, or spoiler, and Iron Man 3, he yes, has, spoiler. he has, you know, Iron Man quote unquote drone suits, which again, I don't know, I'm gonna leave that for three, but I think it's kind of a callback to this one. But yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll talk about that and hopefully call back to this one. Uh, But anyway, he flies into the Air Force base that we talked about. And then we cut to the Beastie Boys, uh, which is great. It's a little Beastie Boys song. And Tony's sitting in a giant donut. uh, And and this is when Sammy J says, I'm going to have to ask you to exit the donut. <laughs> That's an actual donut shop in LA. That giant Randy's Donuts thing. I used to live near that place. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, have you been in that place? Uh, I've been. Uh, I've been by it. I think like every time I try to go there, it was closed for some reason. But uh, I've. It's a, it's a really small shop. It's not even really a full diner. Uh, it's just uh, a really small donut shop. So I, like the diner has nothing to do with. The, the the big don't they just wanted the prop in real life it, yeah so then in real life we go to this diner it's a diner scene where we meet Agent Romanoff in her yeah. super tight in her super tight leather suit and he's like what are you wearing uh, and then <laughs> and then I, this is my favorite part of it Nick Fury starts yelling at him and this makes me feel like Tiffany is going to be mad but Nick Fury could definitely be Jules Winfield <laughs> no listen because they're in that diner and he's like, how many episodes in are we that I keep telling you to let go of this thing you want. And I'm saying it with love, mostly. Let it go. <laughs> mostly. But if it works, it works. I'm like, he- it doesn't. It doesn't. I really felt like it was somewhat intentional that they had him berate, like yelling at him in a diner like in Pulp Fiction. Like I, It seems so, like when you watch that and he raises his voice just like – Say what again, motherfucker? Like I just wanted to say that, like, so, like he's almost, and I want to see John Travolta walk out of the bathroom. Like this Wait, is one that, of those things. Like, it's just, it's amazing that Sam Jackson is so associated with the word motherfucker. Well, he does it in, in, in yes. uh, which is what is it? Uh, Infinity Wars. And and yeah, he's, he, he's he about to says say it, but then he, dis- then he disintegrates. But like this, it's like uh, if you ever seen his commercials for like the Quicksilver credit card <laughs> thing, where uh, like in the tagline is "What's in your wallet?" But when he says it, like the end, like Quicksilver, "What's in your wallet, motherfucker?" You can just hear "motherfucker" at the end of that <laughs> because it's him, and I think yep. that's by intention. I'm sure that credit card company wanted to have the tagline be "What's in your wallet, motherfucker," <laughs> and the only way to do that. I'm amazed at how like timeless and young Samuel L. Jackson still is. Like he doesn't seem to age. And you remember when he first came out? He was old when he's his career. Morgan started. Freeman is like that too. Yeah. 
Yeah, before I got anything after being on me, Morgan Freeman seemed like he's always been the same age. Been the same age. Like, yeah, like, he's always, but he's always been an old man. Like even when we were kids, he was on Electric Company. <laughs> he's always been an old man. Um, but he was a he looked he looked younger than good coconut oil and shea butter can can do a body good. Also, that melanin, throwing a little melanin, and the and the sun loves it. They don't look look at Pharrell. Hello. Let's talk about someone looking the exact same. It's just in the DNA. Sam Jackson is going to look Jay, like, like Sam Jackson for a while. Is amazing too. He's been in he's been in so many movies. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't start till he was fifty or something. I don't know. I could be exaggerating. Well, he got over a major. No, he was older because he went through a major crack phase. Um, yeah. So it took a while. He played that crackhead in that Spike Lee movie. But before that, like he himself went through a, a real crack phase. Actually, did yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, before right. he really came out and and started to get his life together and really started to get into some movies because his wife, also an actor, was a bigger. I won't say bigger name. She's bigger on Broadway and 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 that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so he started later because he had some growing up and some addictions to get rid of. You know, unlike Robert Downey, he got rid of his addictions first and then hit the scene. Robert Downey just did it all on the scene. I didn't know his wife was a broad. Uh, broad who, do you know his wife's name? You've seen her. If you Google her, is it Johnson or Jackson? I don't think they have the same last name. Hold on. She goes by Richardson in a lot of movies. It's, What's her name? Latanya or Latanya Richardson? B is under Richardson. Latanya Richardson Jackson. But if, but you, if look you look at her, her face, face like, oh, I've seen you. Clinton. Now I've got it. Now I gotta know. Oh gosh, yeah. She's oh, what do I know her from? Yeah. She's Samuel yeah. Jackson's. Oh yeah. Holy crap. They got married in nineteen eighty. Yeah, they've been married forever. Like she was with him during his his time. Oh, she looks so familiar. She's got one of those faces that you don't always know who she is, but you you've seen her. Mm-hmm. She. She's been in a lot of television. Yeah. A lot of uh, David E. Kelly stuff, it looks like. Mm-hmm. She's known for, as we talk about, U.S. Marshals, Fried Green Tomatoes, Lone Star, yeah. and The Fighting Temptations. And uh, uh, Malcolm X, she was in. Sleep is in Seattle. Mm-hmm. When a Man Loves a Woman. She's been around, man. Yep. When she was on it. Episodes of Law and Order, but I think everyone was. I know. There's something about when I see an act like a, a couple like that that's been together, like didn't get divorced. Like even, even like Dan DeVito and Rhea Perlman, who've been married forever, even they've gotten divorced. I guess. I know that's crazy. Oh, but she, now she was in the Luke Cage series. Yep, she was. I'm telling you, right. she has been around. So we'll talk about her when we get to the Luke Cage series. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get to that or not. We'll see. Uh, Anyway, I love Samuel L. Jackson. He's probably my favorite thing. Andy, did you meet him at the Soul Plane premiere? Oh, no, that's Uh, Snakes on a Plane. He's on Snakes on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane. He might have been in Soul Plane. Like, a lot of people were in that, but... Walking by. Yeah, I was at the Soul Plane premiere. I had no business being there, but I was there. <laughs> How did you get there? Uh, at the time, I was still working in entertainment journalism, and I got invited to a premiere. Uh, to uh, like, they were throwing out a lot of invites, I think. 
and they, I actually got to go to the after party, which was rare. And that after party looked like it cost more than the entire movie. I and, just want footage of this. I just <laughs> uncovered footage of Andy. Andy called me drunk <laughs> at work. I was at work. So it had to be during the day. It had to be like on a date. It was, I think it was early evening. Uh, I think the screening was, screenings were often at like five o'clock or seven o'clock or something. And then after that, and it was only like 90 minutes. But I lived in Chicago. And so I was two hours later than you. So I can't figure out how that, if it was five o'clock your time, it would have been seven. Maybe I stayed till seven that day. But I remember distinctly being in my cubicle. I worked in the American Bar Association. And he called me drunk off the court. He was like, hey. I'm at the Soul Plane premiere. <laughs> I don't fit in. <laughs> I don't belong here. I'm drunk. And Snoop Dogg's next to me or something. It's like, Snoop Dogg's right over there. I don't fit in. Oh, my gosh. Someone. I don't know why there's no video of this. I would have paid money. <laughs> it was just me you. kind of wandering around wide-eyed at everything. They, I mean, they had uh, uh, Roscoe's chicken and waffle stands on site. They had uh, women Sounds dancing perfect. in cages. They, uh, Snoop Dogg pulled up in a stretch Hummer. Uh, it was just, <laughs> it was very surreal. And I was, it was there. a different world for you, Andy. A different world. Yes. And I may or may not have been wearing a bandana that had an eight ball on it. So you were like Jamie Kennedy, <laughs> just, oh my just, God. just to kind of feel more like someone who would go to that thing. But uh, God bless it. <laughs> I didn't know you were an eight ball bandana. I, I might have tried that out for a bit. I feel like maybe I took it off and went, This is too much. But uh, uh and I, I'm trying to remember, they may or may not have also been giving out uh, I think pimp cups were a thing at the time, <laughs> so they probably were. I mean, it was did you get a pretty sweet swag bag? Uh, I don't recall. He was too intoxicated got, to, to remember. I was very drunk and it was it was just it was fun to be there, but it was also it's like dipping a toe into a world that's not yours. <laughs> and like but you, you you like to you like the experience. And yeah. I liked going there. So uh at this point, uh Jewel I mean Nick Fury uh, gets the the lithium dioxide gets injected and fixes his next high tech crossword puzzle that he's got going on yep. immediately, and they hint that they can maybe help him find a cure. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we jump to the Vanko scene with uh, Hammer and and the bird, and this is and the he says, drone better. And he's like, "This isn't what I I wanted you to make suits." And he's like, "Drone better." Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So he's making he's going to make a bunch of drones rather than yeah, and it's great because freaking Sam Rockwell is again playing the world's biggest douche and yep. and Mickey Rourke is like with four words is completely playing the guy and stringing him along because Justin Hammer knows he can't all he wants to do is shit in Tony Stark's mouth and he can't <laughs> do it out of his own so he's depending on this and. Uh, just, yeah, just yeah. and he's like, just let let Hammer talk. He'll talk himself in circles, and I'll say four words and send him off on a different tangent. And as long as he keeps paying me to do what my big revenge plan, I don't give a shit what he wants. Exactly. Hey man, hey man, 
drone better. You can call him man, man, drone better. Yeah, like I like that. Like I, he barely even knows his name. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's he like, listen, care. you're funding my revenge. That's all that matters. That's it. Yeah. exactly it. Yeah. So I like that whole playful thing, and then uh, the Colonel orders Don Cheadle to get uh, the Iron Man suit to Hammer. Uh, Sam and Jay explains Venko and Howard work together on something huge that makes a nuclear weapon look like a battery. But Venko wanted to get rich off it, so he had him deported to Siberia. And he was a drunken mess ever since, which is how we got Venko. Right. Who the Venko who doesn't know that part? He thinks his dad was just shut out of the process because the Starks were the greedy ones. Yeah. So we hear the yeah. So we get the other side of it. Uh, Nick Fury gives him the mission to step up like his dad wanted, then abruptly leaves, and Black Widow informs him all communication is cut off from the outside world, and then Coulson warns him he'll tase him and watch him watch Super Danny if he doesn't get to work. <laughs> uh, which, which I love that, and of course, Super Danny, I don't even think is a thing anymore, but kind of a fun callback to the early 2000s. That good show where everybody's kids were out of control, and I kept thinking, why do you need a nanny? Just stop. Oh, and that show was, I mean, I remember watching that. My wife and I would watch that nonstop. Jeez, this is so good. I don't know why. It's because kids were wild. Yeah, the kids were bad. The parents were terrible. Uh, so anyway, uh, Hammer shows off weapons to Rhodey, and Rhodey wants it all. For, he says everything for the War Machine suit. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of when he gets everything and when, when Hammer's talking about the that little missile that's the what do they the call ex-wife. it? The ex ex-wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. and then when it gets to the ex-wife it does nothing. Um, yeah. Well, I think I read because the reason the, the reason that happened was because it's supposed to have been a long range weapon. And the fact that they were so close when he shot it, they had no I guess real propulsion propulsion behind it or something. <laughs> and it gets ping. Ping. Or if, if you're if you're if you're like well, this is probably bad, I should say this, but you could just look at it as like it's called the ex-wife. Maybe it's saying it supposedly, you know, have this like really big bite, but it really was just a little whimper. Listen, I was about to say, watch where you were going. Yeah. Either that or it's an ex-wife. It turned out to be very disappointing, just like the marriage or whatever. You, you can make it. I, no I, didn't, I didn't want to. I wasn't. I wasn't prepared to battle Tiffany just yet. Yeah, on that point. <laughs> Listen, uh, let me word this right. <laughs> it's whatever. But yeah, I, I kind of like that. Getting the chance to watch Justin Hammer uh, be a salesman. Fail repeatedly. Yeah. Yes. But be so determined. I think that's the crazy thing, and that's. You know, we talked about it last time where you can just tell all he wants, right? All he wants is to be on par with Tony Starks and nothing he does yeah. can get there. And he just keeps getting it wrong over it. And he's spending all this money to get it wrong, which is one, I need to know where all your resources come from. But he's just also- getting it wrong over and over again. But he cannot yeah. stop because he has to, he has to one up Tony Stark. And, and that maybe, and that. On some level, maybe maybe it's, it's Tifo. Like he wants to one up him, but you can tell he really idolizes him. It's like you know, like forget as boys growing up, we know that like you know, 
let's say our friend has like this awesome toy or has whatever, whatever. You know, we have this men, we have this thing in us where it's like, you know, he got this toy. I got to get a better toy. Even though you still like his toy, you want to get a better toy than him, but you still want to play together with him. It's not like, you know, you like, I want to, like, I want to one up you, but I still want to play, you know, toys with you. Let's, let's build this awesome fort and let's see, you know, put out figures there, but I got the better toy kind of thing. So it's like, in some ways, I feel like Justin Hammer, he wants to better him, but then he also wants to pretty much just play in the yard with him. He wants and to be Tony, friend. because Tony's a super dick, he's like, whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think Justin Hammer is like a cautionary tale. Like, what happens if the special balance between shitty personality traits <laughs> and positive personality traits that Tony Stark has shifts right. out of whack too far into the douche. Right. Uh, yeah. He he could very well be what Tony Stark could be if he didn't have enough to back it up. Like right. If if Tony Stark didn't just keep infuriating people with his talent, he would just infuriate people and he would not have any friends and everyone would hate him. But if he did, if he didn't have just enough of of like. The, a, a moral compass, which he didn't have until the first movie. And, yeah, much later. And the talent to keep building these amazing things. He would just be Justin Hammer. He would be a giant right. douche that fails on the national stage. Okay, we get to where uh, Tony's revealing the film reels, and he discovers the message from his father that leads him to the original 1974 diorama of the Stark Expo. And he goes to his old office to get it, which is now occupied by Pepper, uh, and tries to reconcile with her. Uh, and there's a lot of back and forth and funny arguing there. Um, in reality, the diorama is a disguised diagram for the atomic structure of a new element that Howard could produce, couldn't produce in his time, but Tony may be able to with advanced technology. And then Stark performs a radical alteration of his home workshop and his hand hands and he hand builds a small particle accelerator with the aid of his computer system jarvis Stark synthesizes this new element creating a new triangular chest arc reactor not heart light you said it right <laughs> that's because i'm using somebody else's uh thing it cures his poisoning <laughs> and is much more powerful than stark's earlier versions and just before tony completes the particle acceleration colson tells him that he's free to go and that shield has reassigned him to another case in New Mexico. And right away, I asked myself, I was going to ask you guys before I watched the rest of the movie, I was like, what's New Mexico? Is that, uh, that's, that's that Thor. America? Or is that, and that yeah, yeah, later we find out at the end of the movie, at the post credits. And, and that's something Samuel Jackson mentioned in that scene, too. It's like, I got bigger problems in the Southwest region to deal with than you. And like, right. there's no reason anyone knows what that is until. So that's supposed to lead us to believe that this is happening at the same time that whole, uh, uh, what's her name, Sarah Beth Parker? No, Natalie, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Who's Sarah Beth? Parker? Hey, hey. <laughs> I don't know. Sarah Wait, Jessica Parker. Me? You gotta get Natalie Portman main right there. You got to. Hey, I used to have a crush on her, so I don't know why I got. I, I still did. I thought she still, still got it. I got to hand it to her for that. The raps she does on SNL. Yeah. 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 Those are pretty yeah. badass. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So we're led. So we should 
believe that this is the same time as that stuff's happening, right? Right. But say, is any of this from comics? Like this whole, like building a new element kind of thing. I, I think. Uh, well, the new element, and then also the the part of, you know, this whole thing about his dad never, you know, he didn't think he loved him, and then like the secret video of him, like, oh no, I really do love you. It's always been you, kind of thing. Uh, maybe, uh, honestly, I, I can't say I know whole lot about uh iron man uh his whole history because i haven't read a lot of it i mostly what i've read of him has been in avengers so like i'm sure there are some nerds out there who will disagree about my summation that there wasn't a whole lot to him until robert downey jr but even uh a comics nerd historian writer like mark wade said that i think iron man needed robert downey jr to become uh, a viable character right he wasn't uh, pivotal to anything big and, when we right. thought of marvel and uh i just a reminder i can't remember if i mentioned it i'm sure i mentioned it during the first iron man but jarvis is based on the character edwin jarvis who was the avengers butler like an actual human being really yeah. oh yeah jarvis jarvis wasn't the name of the robot or the voice inside his body in the comics no I don't think he even really gave his his armor names like that until like this is like a way to have uh, Jarvis because for a long time the Avengers their headquarters was Avengers Mansion in in uh, Manhattan on Manhattan Island it was like a big mansion they lived in and they had like underground headquarters training rooms and secret shit uh, but at some point in the early two thousands they just kind of destroyed that out of nowhere and sort of built an Avengers Tower which is what you get. Uh, at the well, it's also you realize also the fact that like uh, that's the whole Avengers West Coast kind of thing yeah. that they had like in the comics. So right, but, but like the Avengers the mentioned, they had a butler, and uh, Tony Stark's butler, Edwin Jarvis, was uh, he, and he was just very much uh, an old bald dude, like that would take care of like oh, he's very Mister Belvedere kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then. Uh, in the Agent Carter series uh, that they made, uh, they sort of had Edwin Jarvis be a real dude that uh, yeah. fought like was his was his start. father's assistant, yeah, uh, or his butler that also was secretly his assistant on more crazy spy things. And he, he, we see him in Endgame as well. We see that Edwin Jarvis, which is kind of neat. But it's just worth mentioning that that's. Comics reference. As far as uh, uh, Tony's relationship with his father, I, I maybe I can't speak a whole lot about uh, the Howard Stark thing. But I'm, I mean, if if not exactly right, it's probably something similar. Okay, we've taken too much time. We're gonna stop here, and we're gonna come back with the rest of Iron Man to the end in a future episode. Thanks for listening, nerd people. Nerds roll. Excelsior. Excelsior. My glasses are broken. My pocket is protected. Hey.
about the president no more But evidently they don't see we in the streets still poor Still more incarceration of my kinsmen by the prisons And people thinking this election to end it racism Proud of a pessimism, glad to see Obama But don't expect me not to speak out when I still see problems The Nerd School Podcast Nerd School is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network Powered by Ortho Carolina now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved.